0: I'm Robin Amlo of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS I Views podcast. WSO2 is the largest software company in Sri Lanka and the second largest open source code company in the world. Its software powers more than 200 financial services groups across 60 countries. With me is Sanjeeva Weirawarana, founder and CEO of WSO2. But first... Do you want to access the multi-billion-dollar fintech opportunity in the Middle East or India? If the answer is yes, then join the Cedar IBSI Fintech Lab and fast-track your journey of market expansion with us. As a fintech lab member, you'll have access to skilled mentors and have the opportunity to learn, network, and collaborate with like-minded individuals, building your knowledge base, skills, and connections. Visit www.cedaribsifintechlab. Com. now back to our conversation with Sanjeeva Weerawarana chief executive officer of WSO2 and how he sees the financial services market for tech in 2024
1: in terms of the financial services market we see uptake of um, a significant uptake happening in the next few months and coming into 2024 i think the global inflation global crisis the uh, situation is a little bit under control on one side. Obviously, there's new geopolitics macro conditions that are potentially challenging. But we see a lot of the constraints that a lot of customers have had slowly coming off in terms of adoption, in terms of growth, in terms of you know, laying out new strategies, executing new strategies, and so forth.
0: Can we look further forward? Because there's, there is a lot going on in financial technology what key trends do you think we're going to be following in the next two to five years?
1: The competitive market for digital experience that you deliver to customers, you know, from the neo banks to the legacy banks, uh, becomes more and more competitive as time goes along. Customers are looking for convenience, digital-only experiences. And I think that's going to be the big push. And obviously, artificial intelligence uh, is going to play a role in how companies will uh, deliver experiences our customers will consume experiences so i think the the big push in the next several years is going to be on really bringing the technology to the customer in a much more friendly convenient and present way than than we do today
0: now you're a open source code business what's the significance for your business of offering open source code, how does that play into financial services?
1: So financial service companies, we play in in the global market. We have customers in 90 plus countries. And there's a lot of regulation in every country, obviously, for financial services. And many of these countries have requirements on data sovereignty, on software independence, on being able to have some control over the destiny of their financial infrastructure platform. So open source becomes an important part of that message because that capability, because that means the country, the, the organizations, the financial service organizations have some degree of independence when it comes to how they adopt, how they operate, and, and the capability to go go by themselves if they have to. Right? So we, we see open source as being a critical component of giving that freedom to financial service companies. And also, the because when software is open source, one of the things that is underappreciated about open source is open source is designed to be consumed by other software developers. As a result, the software ends up becoming more modular, more easy to integrate, more easy to incorporate into larger existing systems. So that's sort of a sort of a side technical benefit of adopting an open source technology versus a proprietary one, which assumes that they are in charge. They are a closed source one, where you have access. Only through limited lenses, open source assumes that you are going to be extended and embraced uh, inherently. And so you design for that.
0: So does does that mean it's going to be effectively easier for organizations to cooperate, for banks to integrate with fintechs and so forth?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think the path forward, you know, overall, along with that digital experience that we are talking, we 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 are going to see is, of course, the data, open data and data interoperability becoming much more significant. So what that means is having the architecture in place that allows banks to cooperate, be able to facilitate fintechs, give them the foundational technology they need to get started, that all becomes easier with an open source underlying technology stack.
0: To a certain extent, I think you've answered part of my next question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. What is it you're actually doing to help organizations transform digitally?
1: So we do several things. First of all, we are we provide the the core technologies you need for digital transformation. Number one is identity. You know, you can't do uh, in particular in financial services. Identity plays a very very critical role, and without having positive ID of whoever that you're talking to, there is a there is a risk. So strong identity authentication authorization is is a core anchor of a digital transformation architecture. The second one is that the way you expose capabilities to others, whether it's to a mobile app of your own, to a website of your own, or to partners, or to fintechs, and so forth, is through APIs. So we are a leading API management provider. So we have technology for creating new APIs, managing them, governing them, and securing them uh, as part of our product stack. And the third is financial service companies, of course, need to sit on top of systems they already have. Every financial service company already has a lot of digital infrastructure, and that means you need to integrate. So integration technology plays a critical role in offering new digital capabilities, and we have an integration technology product. So we we offer the core technology to allow a financial service company to digitally transform itself. And of course, then we have strategic consulting, guidance, and various levels of support for a customer to figure out how to do that organize their teams, organize their architecture, and we can support at that level as well.
0: And all this, you did mention briefly securing the technology, all this is secure. Despite the fact that somebody might say, well, it's open source, how can it be secure? It is secure.
1: It was, it was a long FUD against open source for many, many years that, hey, the code is open source, all the bad guys can see the code, so it's easier to attack. But what has happened over the years is There's a line that goes along the lines of every bug is shallow in front of a thousand pairs of eyes. So the fact that it is open, yes, the bad guys can see the source code. At the same time, there are many good guys in the world who will see the source code and they help improve the software. So this idea that open source, because the source is open, is somehow inherently unsafe has been debunked many, many times over now. And really it is in fact even safer because you get national scale infrastructure, you get all kinds of things adopting it voluntarily, and they become uh, they run all kinds of verification tests, they run penetration testing, they run scans. All these things help improve the software. Unfortunately, software engineering isn't at the level where anyone in the world knows how to produce software without bugs. Unfortunately, so you know every vendor uh, is updating their software today. Whether it is Zoom or Microsoft or IBM or WSO2 or MuleSoft or Apigee or any of our competitors, we have to keep updating software because we find problems after we ship it. And that's just the nature of the beast. So being open source gives us that added leverage that we get additional people testing it out and trying things out. So just let me add one more thing on that. We get a lot of security reports from academic and security researchers who take the code, look through it, try to find a hole or try to find a new attack vector, try it out, and then file a report when if they find something. And so we have a bug bounty program. We reward them, acknowledge them, thank them, and then issue a patch if we need to.
0: All right, so we have a secure system. We have a system that is also open. Where do you go next with what you offer? How are you going to expand into 2024 and beyond And what does that mean for future investment?
1: We are a profitable company and we are looking to expand our footprint globally uh, on that foundation. We have new products coming out as well in in the um, API management space, something that is native to Kubernetes, which is a future deployment stack for everybody called APK. The first version of it already out. Uh, We have additional integration technology coming out. We also have a SaaS offering called Corio which is a broader uh, effort which allows a company to uh, essentially move all the software engineering onto the coreo platform. So our path forward is to continue to build on the foundation we have built over the last 18 years and become more of a dominant uh, provider in the industry.
0: Now, you're known as an open-source evangelist. What do we mean by evangelist?
1: I don't particularly like the term evangelist, to be honest, because it suggests It's some kind of a position based on belief, but open source is really not just about belief that it's a better way to do something. It is really about the technological approach that open source forces people to follow when they design and implement software. Open source creates a natural mindset of modularity when you think about how to write software, because we depend on lots of other open source stuff. WSO2, for example, uses about 300 other open source components underneath and we ourselves are a component of many other open source systems on top so it becomes a, a recursive kind of architecture that you think about so open source and and at the same time it's also a freedom statement this was the one of the open source uh, the broader statement is called free and open source software and there's a subtle difference between what's called free software and open source software but Fundamentally, it's about giving the consumer of the software the freedom to do what they want to do with the software. Open source is a, is not a, not just about evangelizing, saying, Hey, this is a good thing. Don't do that. I'm not against proprietary software by any means. It's fine for some people. That's the right business model. For us, we believe using open source as a vehicle to both build the software because it helps us build better software, plus as a vehicle to reach the market. Because it gives us a a distinction gives us an advantage gives us a competitive vehicle to say hey all of our code is open source they're not like the other guys who don't give any of their code open source or give some of their code open source in wso 2 all the code if you download and run something on your machine that is open source
0: so what you're saying is there's a transparency to the business
1: absolutely there's a transparency that builds trust so for example in europe Many, many government institutions, many large banks depend on wc software, right? And we are a, a critical national, we, we run many critical national infrastructure in many, many countries. In 37 countries, we are the backbone of the national government architecture. We have about 175 different government agencies. We have 220-some banking uh, and financial services companies using WC2 stuff. The transparency and the accountability we feel with the open source nature is an integral part of why those customers trust us.
0: Sanjeeva Weirawarana, Chief Executive Officer of WSO2.